Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Uh, guys, this morning I'm I'm super excited because Pastor Courtney is going to bring the word. And over the yeah, woohoo! That's a, I heard that woohoo. We might need some bigger woohoos. Uh, yeah, we're ready. It's just it's been such a joy for me over the last few years to watch Pastor Courtney. Uh, grow in her ministry, in her leadership, and in her communication. So I know that your heart is going to be blessed. Would you welcome Pastor Courtney as she comes to bring the word this morning? Thank you. Thank you, Tyler. I feel like I'm walking into a kind of hostile environment talking about the football teams. Is everybody doing okay out there? <laughs> I was kind of warned, maybe I shouldn't share this at the top of my message, but um, last night, I was watching some college football, and um, my team, I am a big USC Trojan fan. Oh, wow. Okay. I was told that I might be alone in that in this room, so thank you. Wow. Um, and I was talking with my husband um, because at the beginning of the game, they were playing terribly, and I looked at him. I said, oh, no. I said, God is really testing me here. I said, I have to preach on gratitude tomorrow, and I'm not feeling very grateful. My team is playing horribly, but you know what? God showed up, <laughs> and my team pulled it out, and USC beat UCLA, so Battle of LA, fight on friends. Um, <laughs> no, but this morning, um, it is this week we have Thanksgiving. It is an important thing happening this week, um, along with the Turkey Bowl. But we have Thanksgiving, and so this morning we are going to be talking about gratitude. And so if you have your Bible with you, um, or if you have your phone, whatever you want to use to read God's Word, we are going to be in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, looking at a story about a woman named Hannah. But before we do that, I just want to pray and prepare our hearts for what we're going to read Everybody cool with that? Okay. God, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your story and the people within it that you use to illustrate your love and that it's still relevant today. God, would we just be tuned in to your spirit? Lord, would we be open to learning new things about your character, about what it means to follow you, to love you? And Lord, would we just receive your love? This morning, would this not be a story where shame or fear or anxiety is stirred up? Lord, those things are not of you, but would this stir up gratitude in our hearts? Would this story stir up peace and love and joy? Lord, that is our hope and prayer for this morning. We love you and we pray these things in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. This will not be on the floating Bibles next to me, so I'm just going to go ahead and hop in and read the story to you. You can follow along or you can just listen. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting at verse 3. So before this, to set the stage, we have Hannah, and Hannah is married to a man named Elkanah. And Elkanah has another wife. Hannah is not his only wife. He has another wife named Penina, and Penina, unlike Hannah, Penina has been able to bless Elkanah with lots of children, lots of heirs to carry on his family name, 
And unfortunately, that is not a reality for Hannah. Hannah has not been able to have a child, and that has pro um, provoked a lot of tension within the relational dynamics. As you can imagine, Hannah probably carries that as shame or guilt. Um, she's grieving the reality that she cannot have children. So that's the stage. That's where we're hopping in to our story at verse 3. And it says this. It says, year after year, this man, Elkanah, went up from his hometown to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival, Penina, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. How nice. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorstop of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, and she was weeping bitterly. She made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him the son to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. So as this is happening, we're going to pause for a minute. As this is happening, Hannah is a mess, okay? As she is crying out to the Lord, she's, it says, weeping bitterly. She's so distraught. And then as she's crying out to the Lord, the priest Eli sees this happening. But what's funny is the text tells us that he sees Hannah crying, and he can see her mouth moving but he can't hear what she's praying. So he can just see this woman who's just really distraught. She's moving her lips, and he, but he can't hear anything. So he thinks that she's crazy. He actually says that he thinks that she's drunk. Like she's just losing it. And so he says, he basically looks at her and says, you need to get it together, right? He says, you got to get this together. And she says, it is not so, my Lord, at verse 15. She's saying, no, I'm not drunk. It is not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli the priest answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord, and then went back to their home. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. There are three things in this story that I want to point out to us today that I think that we can learn and apply to our own story. And the first one is this. 
that God's asking us to look for good. Look for good. Doesn't matter what we're walking through, what our circumstances might be, God is asking us to look for good. In the Old Testament, in the context of what Hannah is living in, a childless woman was seen as flawed. She was seen as inferior to other women who could bear children. Her inability to conceive a child would reflect poorly on her husband, and he would be actually a social embarrassment to everyone else because his wife could not bear children. It was a custom to, if the wife could not bear children, that she was supposed to give one of her servant girls to her husband to have children on her behalf. But Elkanah did not ask that of her. And get this, husbands, if a woman could not give them a child, a husband had every right to legally divorce his wife. Like, you can't give me what I need and what I want, so we're cutting ties. And they could divorce their wife. But the thing is, is that Elkanah did not do that, which is radical in that time of day. He loved her enough. He loved her even though she could not give him what he needed. He loved her despite the social embarrassment. He loved her even when she didn't know how to receive his love. Remember the text said that, he said, aren't I enough? Isn't it enough to have me? And she was still sad. He still loved her even though she didn't know how to receive his love. And he loved her even though society told him that she was flawed. And what I love about the bigger picture of God's story and this story within God's word is that every healthy relationship, relational dynamic points to the character of God. And so we see Elkanah acting as a physical representation of God's love to Hannah. God doesn't need us, but he chooses to love us. God is not embarrassed by who we are, but he's proud to call us sons and daughters. God loves us even when we are distracted by the chaos around us, by our circumstances. And God loves us despite our flaws. And we see that in the person of Elkanah as he's loving his wife. And it's easy to read this and think that Hannah was just really dramatic, right? That she's causing a scene, she's crying. It's like, okay, Hannah, this is not that big of a deal. Like, your husband loves you. He's not divorcing you. You need to get it together, kind of as Eli said. But how often are we just like Hannah? We get mad. We get frustrated. We are hurt. We get overwhelmed. We feel sad. And it feels impossible to see the good things happening around us. We're blinded by our circumstances. But I believe that our grief and our gratitude can coexist, that they can exist at the same time. That gratefulness for how God has and is showing up in our lives can be happening at the same time as we experience sadness or we are grieving what was or maybe what never was, and maybe what never will be. Um, This summer, my husband and I, Caden, we found out that we were pregnant with our second child. And we were a little surprised, but we were really excited that our family was growing. And at about six weeks, I started having some complications 
um, multiple visits to the emergency room, to doctor's appointments, um, and after a few more weeks over 4th of July weekend, um, I miscarried and we lost our baby. And I remember feeling, well, I was so sad. And it was such a weird feeling of grief and an inexplainable sadness that at random times I would just start crying. There was no rhyme or reason. And it was weird because I never met the baby. But I was grieving what could have been. I was grieving this child that I had you know, expectations for and a hope for a future with our family. And so I was grieving, but in the midst of that, the reality was that I have another child, Maximus. Maybe you've seen him running around on a Sunday. The reality of Maximus and having him and feeling so grateful for my child didn't take away from the reality that I was grieving my other child that I just lost. Those two things could happen at the same time. I was so grateful for my family and so grateful for the child that the Lord had blessed me with and at the same time feeling deeply saddened at the loss that I had just experienced. And these two things were happening simultaneously within me. There's no way that Hannah that Hannah was happy about her inability to have children. I was not happy about losing my baby. But the thing is, is that happiness is tied to our circumstances. And joy, contrastingly, is tied to God's spirit within us that gives us the supernatural strength and perspective to see the good in the midst of a really challenging situation. Our joy, this joy that God's spirit dwells within us, this joy is rooted in and grows from a place of gratitude. It's easy to think, please hear me when I say this, it's easy to think that joyful people are grateful people. Why wouldn't they be? They have everything they want. They're really, they're, you know, they have the coolest car and they have a nice house and they are, you know, financially stable and they have a good family and their kids are following the Lord and everything just looks perfect. And you think joyful people are grateful people. But actually, the relationship between those two things, gratitude and joy, is flipped the other way around. Grateful people are joyful people. Grateful people are joyful people. Our joy comes from our gratitude, not the other way around. But let me be clear. In the same way that I said that there's no way Hannah felt like happy about her circumstance, and there's no way that I was happy about losing my child, God isn't asking us to fake it. The story actually tells us quite the opposite, right? God's not asking us to mask our emotions. He gave us those. He created us to feel those things. He's not asking us to stuff it down and hide it and act like we're, we're all good. We're fine. So that leads to the second thing that I believe God wants to teach us this morning is that we need to be honest. We need to be honest with the Lord about where we're at and what we're feeling, what we're walking through. And we see that Hannah, as she's at the temple, she goes to the Lord. 
She doesn't go to anybody else. She goes to the Lord and she weeps and she grieves and she prays. Hannah's response is prayer. And I can't imagine that this is the first time or the only time that Hannah has prayed asking God to change her situation. It even says in there, it says year after year. And it says that Panina has had multiple children. And I don't need to tell you guys how long it takes to cook a baby. It takes a long time. And she's had a lot of kids. And so they've been going year after year to the temple. And she's been praying and asking and seeking and just pressing in. This isn't the first time. We don't know how long it has been. But she prays year after year. How long has she been grieving that her marriage doesn't look like what she expected? How long has she been grieving the reality of motherhood? Grieving this life that she anticipated and maybe felt like she deserved? And maybe that's true for some of us today. Maybe it doesn't look like Hannah's situation, right? But maybe we sit here today and maybe some of us have been praying for a really long time to see change happen, for God to show up, and we just haven't seen it yet. Maybe we've been praying year after year, God, I'm, I'm single and I want to be married. Maybe that's the prayer of our heart. Maybe we don't have any kids and we're desiring a family. I know that's a prayer of my heart. I want to grow my family. Maybe... We're grieving a child who's walked away from the Lord or a family member who is, um, our relationship is estranged. Maybe we've been praying to see our depression leave and we've been desiring joy. Maybe it's addiction and we've been desiring freedom. Maybe It's sickness and we've been desiring healing. Maybe it's financial struggle and we've been desiring provision and stability. Maybe we're just confused and we're like, God, I need you to bring clarity to this situation. Or maybe we've experienced a loss and we're desiring what used to be and what was. Maybe some of us are grieving what is not happening in our lives, that we're missing what is happening. God can handle your emotions. He created you to have them, to feel them. But we also must be wise in the behaviors that take root out of those emotions. But God can handle the honesty. And look at what happens when Hannah is honest with God. It says, then she went on her way and she ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Before she prayed and before she was honest with the Lord, she wasn't eating. She was tormented. She was upset. She was sad. And look at what happens. She falls on her face before the Lord. She's honest about what's going on. And it says that she went away and she ate something. She ate some food and she was no longer downcast. But here's the thing. Nothing about her situation had changed. Nothing in her circumstance, nothing had changed yet except for the fact that she was honest before God, expressed where her heart was. Someone came alongside her. Eli came and affirmed her prayer, and she left her heart at the altar. 
She poured out her praise. She poured out her heart to the Lord. This is huge because I think sometimes we pray and we cry out to the Lord and we live in such a fast-paced culture that we like expect him to answer that prayer right there in that minute and for things to change, which I do believe we serve a supernatural God who can heal you right there in that instant. That's not beyond him. But I think that that's our expectation is that God is going to like just shift things all in a second and that you're going to walk away and everything's going to be peachy keen. And that's not always the case. We want to see God moving how we want him to, when we want him to. And then we get upset when we don't see God answering our prayers in the timing that we want or maybe the way that we want. And maybe that stirs in us some questioning of his power, of his sovereignty. God, can you even do this? Are you even there? Are you even with me? But God's word assures us. In Romans 8, 28, it says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And in Isaiah 55, it says, God tells us that his thoughts are not like our thoughts. And his ways aren't like our ways. So we can't expect him to move in the same way. We're finite human beings. And God is so beyond that. So maybe what it looks like for our prayers to be answered, maybe it doesn't look like what we've been expecting. But God has something so much better, and it's perfect. We were talking about this, actually, with our middle school and high school students this week at youth group. And we were talking about what happened, what God does in bad situations. And I said this to the students. I said, you know what? Maybe sometimes the good that God brings from a really challenging and hard and painful situation, maybe the only good thing we see is that it makes us more empathetic. And it gives us the ability to love others better than we could before who are walking through a similar situation. Maybe that's the only good that we can see. Maybe it is a loss or it's a terrible situation, but God can use it. Maybe he's going to use you as you come alongside somebody else who's walking through something similar. And please hear me. Again, God is not asking us to fake it. It's like when people are like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. But really inside you're just dying and you're screaming. The Lord asks us to come boldly and honestly to his throne room and pour out our hearts him because this is God's promise to us that even when the healing doesn't come even if our prayers are not answered in the ways that we want even when we experience deep and irreversible loss and even when nothing around us changes nothing had changed yet for Hannah we can experience his peace that's what Hannah teaches us she was overwhelmed by the peace of the Lord in that moment and nothing yet had changed That's God's promise to us. The third thing, last thing in this story that God can teach us is that we need to express our gratitude. We need to say it. We need to speak it out, express it. In verse 20, it says, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Because God. God is the giver of good gifts. And then later, at the end of the story, she says, I prayed for this child, 
and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give Samuel to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And it's easy to read this and think about the gift. The gift is Samuel. God answered her prayers. But Hannah's gratitude was not for the gift. It was for the giver of the gift. Her gratitude was for the Lord. How do we know this? The one thing Hannah wanted most was a child. When she cries out and he hears her and he answers her prayers and she finally gets the gift she's been longing for, what does she do? She gives him right back to the Lord. She's so moved by the grace of God on her life that out of a place of gratitude, she fulfills her promise and gives Samuel back to a life of ministry as a tool to be used for God's kingdom. She's so grateful and so overwhelmed with the joy from the Lord that she gives her son back. One of my biggest pet peeves, kind of switching gears, bit different. One of my biggest pet peeves going to any sort of celebration, whether it's a birthday or a baby shower or, you know, whatever, is when people are opening gifts. Oh my gosh, it just makes me cringe even thinking about it. When people are opening gifts and they just kind of open it and then they're like, and they set it down and they don't say anything Oh my gosh, as I'm sitting there watching a person open the gift and then they don't say anything and they're just kind of like, oh, that's nice. Or maybe they don't say anything at all and they set it down. It just makes me cringe inside. Because here's the thing. (laughs) It's not enough. I believe that person is probably very grateful on the inside that they received that gift. Maybe they're not. Maybe they don't like the gift, but they should be grateful that the person thought of them and gave them this nice present. But it's not enough just to sit there and feel grateful. There is something powerful and dynamic about speaking it out. There's something that changes in the atmosphere. There's something that changes in the relational dynamic between the two people, between the recipient and the giver, when gratitude is expressed. We talk about having an attitude of gratitude, but simply having an attitude of something does not translate necessarily to our behaviors, right? We know this to be true about our faith, too. We can know God's word, and we can say, you know, we can feel faith, and we can have scripture memorized, which is all good things, and we can live a life for Jesus without actually living a life for Jesus. There is a huge difference between believing it and then living it. Our beliefs don't always translate to our behaviors. So the thing about gratitude is we must practice gratitude. Because gratitude without practice is like faith without works. They have to go together. And reading Hannah's story, I honestly believe that the greater miracle we see more than God answering her prayer and giving her a son is the supernatural transformation of Hannah's heart that goes from being stuck in despair and being set free by her gratitude. I believe that that's still God's promise for us today. That that's true. What he did for Hannah, he can do for us right now here in this room. That as we express gratitude, we begin to experience his goodness, his joy, 
his love, his peace, and his hope. So what can that look like for us to do practically? Maybe this week, you, in your time of reading your Bible and journaling, maybe you just write out a prayer. Write out what you're grateful for. Um, Spend time in prayer giving thanks to God. We took a moment to do that this morning. It's super easy. Maybe just, maybe it's you're driving in your car and you just turn off the music and you just begin to thank God for his goodness. Maybe you just take a moment in the busyness of life and just express your gratitude. But I didn't want us to walk away today without practicing it here in this place. In the seatbacks in front of you, you'll find there are these blank cards and there are some pens. And we're going to take a moment as the worship team plays. And we're going to take a moment to, to be honest with God. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, Courtney, you don't know what this week has looked like. You don't know what my life has looked like. You don't know the hard things that I'm walking to, walking through. Maybe on this card, maybe first and foremost, you need to write it out and you need to be honest with God and say, Lord, this is where my heart is at. Lord, I need your help. This is my prayer. But then maybe on the other side, if we could all do this, God's goodness is all around us. And maybe you don't see it, but I want to challenge you this morning that God has joy for you today. And that as you write, even if it's the littlest thing, maybe all you can muster up today is, God, I'm grateful for the breath in my lungs. If that's all you can write, that is still good. And God has joy in exchange for your gratitude today. So we're going to take a moment and we're going to write what we're grateful for. And then we'll come back together and close in a minute. God, we are so grateful for your goodness. We're grateful that that truth is that your goodness is running after us, whether we see it or not. God, that your goodness is all around us. Lord, this week would our hearts, Lord, would we experience your joy? Would what we feel and what we experience not be determined by the circumstances around us, Lord, but would we be able to fix our eyes on your goodness and would that translate into a deep joy that we get to live into this week? And Lord, I also ask that you would be so close and so present with those of us online or in the room that are still walking through a really difficult situation. God, would you just be so close? Would your Holy Spirit just surround those who are still praying? Lord, would you speak to them? Would you comfort them? Would you give them your peace as they continue to press in? God, we love you, we trust you, and we know that you are faithful. And Lord, we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. As you go this week, I would encourage you to keep this card. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it. Put it on the dashboard of your car. Tuck it in the mirror of your bathroom. And just remember the goodness of God. Remember what we're grateful for. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. 
Thank you so much for listening.